Well, good morning, Central. I'm so glad to be here with you all. As Pastor Zach said, my name is Mercedes. Um, and I'd like to begin by praying a prayer that I've prayed for many years. Um, so come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of the faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. So this morning I'd like to talk to you about life. And not just the breathing, walking, talking life we live. I want to talk to you about the abundant life that Jesus calls you to have in him. So I don't think that the worship team could have picked two better songs to lead into this. And to understand my passion for this and why I believe that this life is important, I'd like to start by sharing my testimony, my story, if that's all right. You see, I was born at a time when no one was ready for me. My mom was still in high school when I made my grand entrance into this world, and my dad had just graduated. I don't remember a whole lot of my childhood. Bits and pieces maybe, but chunks of time for some reason are gone. I know my dad left to join the military about a year after I was born. And I do remember when I was about six, sitting on top of a table at the courthouse where I lived so I could be eye level with a lady from the front of the court asking me if I wanted to start seeing my dad. And I remember telling her, yes. Fast forward to middle school where I would begin down the path of struggling with my identity and self-worth. My birth father missed the most formative years of my life. And in the years that followed that he was a part of, he made promises he didn't keep, and he treated me more like a friend than his daughter. This led me to wonder and believe a lot of things. He chose to walk away for a while. So maybe I wasn't good enough for him to stick around. Maybe I was unlovable. He told me many times that he would be there for me, that he would show up for this thing or that thing, and he didn't. As a young kid, this made me think that maybe spending time with me just wasn't worth it. Maybe I wasn't worth it. These feelings led me to spiraling in my mental health. I became very withdrawn. I would shut myself in my room for hours, even days on end, listening to dark music, reading fiction books that allowed me to escape my reality. And at the age of 13, I started to self-harm. I was damaged, broken. I felt so abandoned and alone. Has anybody else ever been there? It's not a good time. There were many days where I contemplated suicide, believing the lie that everyone would just be better off without me. I may have been breathing and alive by medical standards, but I surely wasn't living. Every part of me felt numb to everything. Looking back at pictures from that era of my life just breaks my heart. I don't look happy at all. 
Though I felt hopeless, I couldn't help but think of my mom and her side of that family. I may not have been planned, but she worked hard to give me a good life, and deep, deep down, I knew I was loved. So when those thoughts of ending my life came, I knew that I could never go through with it because I could not do that to her. I couldn't do that to my grandparents. So I chose to stay. And I continued to be in pain, lashing out at those who loved and cared for me. I grew up knowing about God and going to church. But dur during those middle school and early high school years, I stopped going to church. I would purposely sleep in so that my family would leave without me. I wanted nothing to do with this God that I'd heard about. This God who was supposedly good and loving. If he was as good as they say, why did I hurt so much? Why did bad things happen to good people and vice versa? I couldn't believe that he loved me. I mean, my own father walked away and then refused to show up when he promised he would. So wouldn't this God just do the same? I decided that this God I was told about my whole life just wasn't real. I erased all the memories I had of going to church and being around people who loved Jesus, and I drew a new conclusion that God just didn't exist. At that point in my life, I was done with it all, and I proclaimed myself to be an atheist. There was just no way that I could believe that a good and loving God existed. So I continued to live in this state of despair for years. Thankfully, I had people in my corner fighting for me, praying for me, giving me strength I didn't realize I so desperately needed. Have you ever heard the saying, I hit rock bottom only to realize that God was the rock at the bottom? I lived that. I remember sitting on my bedroom floor, barely able to catch my breath from all the crying I'd been doing. And I said, okay, God, if you are real, I need you to save me. Help me because I can't do this. I can't go on living like this anymore. And I kid you not, in that moment, I began to feel peace like I've never felt before. And I can't really explain it, but somehow I knew that he was there. And he saved my life that day. In John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, Jesus tells those listening, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Who is them? His sheep, his children, me and you. He came to give you a rich and satisfying life. But there's someone else out there who does not want you to experience that. So he will set out to do exactly what the scripture says. To steal, kill, and destroy. In those years that I ran away from God, the enemy stole my laughter and my joy. He stole my relationships. He killed my spirit and worked very hard at trying to get me to kill my body. He destroyed my self-worth and my mind. 
And at the moment, I cried out to God to save me. God began to redeem all that was lost. It didn't happen overnight. As with most things in life, it's a journey. And slowly but surely, he began to breathe things back to life within me. By my senior year of high school, I couldn't get enough of reading his word. I finally realized that not all Christian music was painstakingly boring. See, I'm a rock girl at heart, and the Christian music I grew up listening to was just not my cup of tea. But I found music that spoke to my soul, and I began filling my MP3 player and later my iPod with the type of music that I enjoyed, and I was hooked. God started to give me my joy back, and somehow I started to believe that I was worth something, that I was loved beyond measure. A rich and satisfying life. That is what God is calling you to. That is what Jesus died to give you. Earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus performed the miracle of feeding 5,000 people from just five loaves of bread and two fish. Maybe you've heard the story. He has the disciples sit them down in groups, gives thanks for the food, and then proceeds to feed all of these people. Not only that, but after everyone had had their fill, they went away with not one, not two, not even three, but 12 baskets of leftovers. The next day, they, they went looking for Jesus, and in John 6, 25, it says, They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. How many of us are walking just close enough to Jesus to get fed, but not much else is happening? Jesus goes on to say in verse 27, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. The people replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Now I just think that this is pretty incredible. Just the day before, Jesus was being followed by this massive crowd because of all the miraculous things he was doing, like healing the sick. Jesus feeds their bodies, and they want more. So they go looking for him the very next day. I think, it'd be, I think it's great that they want to perform God's works too. As followers of Jesus, we should be about that. But many in this crowd, they were just fans. And Jesus tells them, the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one he has sent. Side note, before we ever do anything for the Lord, we need to believe in him. That's our only job. The other things will come later as we become filled with him and transformed by him. So even after being part of a miracle of being fed from just five loaves and two small fish, the people asked for another miraculous they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? 
After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Sometimes it's really hard to live in this faith. Until we truly follow after Jesus, what he's saying here doesn't really make sense. I spent much of my life trying to fill myself from the things of this world, trying to get even just a moment's satisfaction from things that just left me feeling even more empty, not realizing that I was desperate for something more. Could anyone relate to that? Jesus was and is that something more. I stand before you today living proof that he will fill you up. There are seven I am statements sprinkled throughout John's gospel. We just heard one. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Two more of those statements mention him being life. To me, that means that life must be pretty important to Jesus. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. You are not an accident. You are not here by accident. The God of the universe created you on purpose for a purpose. Regardless of what other people think or say or do, regardless of the thoughts you choose to believe, you are loved more than you could ever possibly imagine. To follow after Jesus, truly follow after Jesus, it requires us to give up some things. We have to decide that the life, that rich and satisfying life he has to offer, is worth more than the things of this world that we may hold on to a little too tightly. That need for control, the tendency to compare ourselves to those around us, the desire to be on top and the best at everything, the desire for a relationship or to have a family, fill in the blank for yourself. I can tell you from personal experience that none of those things even compare to what your Heavenly Father has for you. But maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have issues like I did with my earthly dad. Maybe you don't even know your birth father or you, don't, you want nothing to do with him. It took me too long to recognize that the God who created me is nothing like my earthly dad. The moment I stopped placing my earthly dad's characteristics onto God the Father, it opened up a whole other avenue in our relationship. But if you're not there this morning to see God as Father, that's okay. I encourage you to run to Jesus as your friend. A relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is the best relationship you will ever have. I guarantee it. 
So this is your wake-up call this morning. To step off of the sidelines, to stop fighting, to say yes to Jesus, whether for the first time or the 120th time. That girl that didn't want to live, the one that self-harmed, self-harmed for years and was so mad and upset with the world, the one who stopped believing in God, she stands before you today full of life and joy. It is literally a miracle that I'm here. And I won't lie to you. It's not easy following Jesus through all the seasons of life, especially the hard ones. I still struggle with my mental health, but do you know what these past, I don't know, 15 years or so of my life have taught me? It's taught me that life with Jesus is so much better than life without him. The valleys that I go through aren't as dark and they're not as deep because as we just sang about, he is the God of the mountains and the God of the valley. And those mountaintops, the views from those leave me in awe. I encourage you, friends, to stop trying to fill yourself with things that only satisfy you for a moment, for a season. There's more for you here. Now, I know that you've been given tools to help you in your walk with Jesus since you've been here, but can I leave you with this? Prayer, I believe, is the most important tool you can have. Prayer is the way you can connect with the one who created you, the one who sees you, knows you, and loves you best. You want a rich and satisfying, abundant life? Talk with God about it. Are you anxious or worried about something, a test or even a game coming up? Go to God with it. Are you feeling frustrated or angry? Yell to him. I promise you he can handle it. Need help letting go of things that are keeping you in bondage from stepping out into life-giving freedom? Jesus says to come to him. And I also think it's important to surround yourselves with people who will pray for you and with you. We have a prayer group on campus that meets nightly at 6.30. I encourage you to attend. I'm living proof that prayer works because I honestly believe that I would not be here in front of you today if my family and friends were not praying for me in my darkest moments. I'm so glad that I chose to stay. And you'll be glad you did too. Whether that's staying on this earth, staying at the school in your classes, staying in your walk with Jesus, he's so worth it, more than worth it. And I want each of you, whether you're a student or faculty, to experience the full life that he wants you to have. Not just a fraction of it, but the full life he calls you to be free in. Don't allow the enemy of your soul to steal, kill, or destroy any more of who you are. Reach out and cling to Jesus, your lifeline, and watch him redeem all of what may have been lost. One of my favorite things about God is that he wastes nothing. You can trust him with all that you are. He will never let you down or lead you astray. The path he sets before you is full of so many good things. Because contrary to what I used to believe, he really is good and loving and so kind.
so as I close this morning, I would like to read one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 139, and it says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me when I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God loves you all, and so do I.